0: Welcome to Modern Babylon, cultural contrarian, and this is Ryan Miller. Um, I, I thought it would be appropriate that I provide some clarity as to why I have so many names at, at my introduction. The the title I use, Modern Babylon, is is the brand of the podcast, and it's kind of a metaphor that in ancient times, under the under uh, biblical reign of Nimrod, was the construction of this Tower of Babel, or Babel, however you choose to say it. And it was an effort to become the Most High, to elevate one's status above all men and put them up in the realm of the Most High of God. And the punishment for that was the 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 curse of being broken into multiple languages and the people being cast apart in groups based upon languages in confusion and it, it took centuries for for us to understand that we're all united but we're broken based upon this this division of language but what was consistent among all of the humans is that they wanted to elevate themselves to most high that they are they are the ones that, have supremacy overall. And that over history, we have formed governments, we formed formed tribes, and we elevated people of position to kind of provide civil order or social contract. And and the metaphor is that we have elevated government to the position of most high, and we are the ones below, underneath of that, wandering around with different language, subservient to those that we have elevated to the position of most high. So that's kind of the metaphor behind my wanting to create that modern Babylon, because that's where we are now. We're all confused and we don't have an anchor. So then, the, my real brand, cultural contrarian, is that my thinking is obviously counter to the prevailing culture. So let me expand on that just a little bit. And this is this is personal philosophy that you have heard me speak. That I myself as an individual based upon my own study and self-discovery coupled with therapy have a unique understanding of what's going on inside of my brain and that sometimes my brain doesn't correlate with my mouth my feet or my heart or my gut now i shared some time ago with a couple of friends most recently i shared this with a couple of dear friends that as I was navigating and investing in my relationship with my wife, that I understood that my brain is not normal. And that I, we, were, we were going through some tough conversations relationally. And that I wanted to convey unrestrained my, my heart's desires with my wife. So I did that audibly. I communicated... in a a narrative in a story is that my heart for her is unrestrained and unconditional that is my heart's desire in our relationship as a couple and it translates to my relationship with my daughter and and those that have that heart connection in addition to that my heart can often be interrupted by my brain my ability to think and process what's happening in my brain and I also have this visceral gut response reaction. And all of this is interconnected body chemistry that's going on inside of me. And sometimes my brain will release it, sometimes it will restrain it. And I said I needed to articulate my heart's desire and acknowledge that my head, my brain and my gut can act contrary to my heart. So I took time and I, I did my best to put that in writing a memorial, a a record of sorts that was me taking the words that were coming out of my mouth and putting them to paper and acknowledging this limitation that I have through self-awareness and that I will submit to correction when my thoughts, my actions, my gut response are in violation or a contradiction to my heart. And that no matter what words I may hear from my wife, I cognitively may rationalize my response. So we have come up with a a physical signal that my wife will take two fingers like she's pointing at me, press them up on my forehead, and push my eyebrows down, which is a physical touch, which is a reminder that my head may be interfering with my heart. And that, that may take a couple of times for me to process that and say, oh my gosh, yeah, I am in this this argumentative place that I'm going to use my brain to justify all of my thoughts, words, and actions, and I need to cut that out, and let's get back into your heart. And that gentle touch gives me permission to stop, pause, and say, yeah, this is not good. And that's hard. It's painful. It's, it's an admission that I'm a hypocrite. I'm acting contrary to my heart's desires, and that's a safe way for me to do that. Sometimes it may be so difficult that I don't respond to that touch, and that she needs to pull out that letter. Now, thankfully, our marriage has been so strong that that letter has not come out repetitive, repetitively, but that is a reminder to me that, yeah, I, I remember that letter and I need to reread it. I need to reread and, and, and come back to terms with it and stop being in my head. So let's take that a little bit further. That my self-awareness and my willingness to be corrected is very high, but it's never finished. It's a journey of my life that I am going to continue to look at this and be self-critical. And absolutely, I will rationalize and justify things. And I, I trust my wife to correct me. And I have others that are in deep relationship with me to correct me. That They, have, they don't have that letter, but they have a similar understanding through my words as to I'm willing to be held accountable. So here's where the cultural contrarian piece really has its root. Because I know from a biblical standpoint that I, am, I desire to be like Noah. In that I was a good person in this, in this bell curve of individuals on this planet at this particular time. I'm not going to say I'm right at the bell curve. I'm not going to say I'm at the peak of the bell curve. and I'm not going to say I'm at the left. But I'm, a, I'm in that category, but I know that that's not a fixed position, that my behavior will move me to the right and being more good, and it will move me to the left to be less good. But my default position of my awareness is that I know what goes on through my brain, and I know that those thoughts not, that can be wicked that are that are not in aligned with God's heart's desire of me of not hurting myself and not hurting other people. I know I can hurt people with my words. I know I can hurt people with my actions and my physical body. And I have to rebel and rep- repress those. So what I do is I equate all humanity with a default position that they have the same wicked, depraved mind that I do. Maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. But I say our default position is wicked. And that I accept people to be wicked. And when I accept them to be wicked, I can manage my personal degree of trust or faith in anyone based upon what I'm personally willing to risk of myself in relationship to anyone. So I will say based upon my perception of someone's degree of wickedness, I'm gonna reduce my personal level of risk of personal information about me to that stranger that has got that same default position of wickedness. So when they violate my trust, I'm not angry. It's expected. Now here's where, the, here's where the rubber hits the road. When I bring it to that person's attention that they violated my trust, are they gonna hold on to their wickedness or are they gonna acknowledge that they would made a transgression based upon my degree of risk of trust and work to restore that relationship? Now my hope, my hope and my prayer is that people live in defiance of their wickedness. That's not the default position, but that is my hope, that is my prayer, that they're going to defy their own wickedness. And when they do, I'm like, holy smokes, I can celebrate the joy of them acting contrary to their nature, their default position. So that affords me the ability to increase the degree of risk in that relationship. So I'm not going to make myself completely vulnerable to a stranger with personal information and details. That's over time that I expose these challenges and and successes and growths in my life because that stuff can be used as armor to be created in a false narrative to injure me. So I respect people that violate my trust and work to restore and we come to a favorable position upon restoration. So I have a benchmark that says, wow, this person knows and they respect me enough to apologize and restore, so now I can invest something deeper with that relationship. And I have I have an inventory of people that have done that with me, and it's been a tr- total joy of life depth sharing. And that affords them the ability to risk with myself as well. That's not to saying I won't transgress that risk, but I have a commitment to restore when I violate. So philosophically, the modern Babylon is the temple of self-idolatry. And I don't want to stand at the top of the temple. I want to de- be down at the bottom. And knowing that we all create this idol of self, our idol of our dwelling, the, the hood ornament on the car we drive, our degree of finances, our amount of money in the bank account, our investment portfolio. These are all idols of self-worship to build self-worth. That's meaningless to me. What's most important to me is the flesh in which I'm navigating in relationship over time. In addition to, I should say, primarily is my relationship with my creator. And honestly, being totally honest and transparent, if I treated my wife in the manner in which I treat my creator, we would not have a marriage. So I understand from... The, the the relationship that my Creator desires with me, I fail miserably in achieving that. And that I'm more focused on the relationships that are right in front of me. And I, I accept that my priorities are out of whack. And I try to transcend that. And I fail every single day. But I'm going to continue to focus on the relationships that are here and earthly. I'm not going to ignore my relationship with my Creator. But I recognize that it's out of whack and I strive against that. Sometimes I succeed, sometimes I fail. When I am communicating on social media and podcasts or, or wherever I am dropping my commentary for public visibility, it's coming from that vantage point that I know that you have no ability to understand the depth of my own personal psychology, and I don't expect you to. And I'm not coming from this world of position of judgment of others. I'm trying to pierce the consciousness of of probing people to do self-introspection, to look at themselves. In that the Jordan Peterson analogy of If you can't keep your bedroom in order and your closet in order and your house in order, how is it that you are possible to speak truth and wisdom in massive financial political systems that are in disarray? How do you propose fixing that when you haven't been able to fix your own domicile or how your car is operating and being maintained? I understand there's like this argument about the, the pro pro-choice argument that if I don't have a uterus, I don't have credibility. Well, sure, I understand that, that people want to devalue my opinion about standing on what another woman should do with a uterus. The, the logical connection to that, which I don't, unfortunately, in this world, we're not dealing with logical reasoning. We're dealing with emotional, ideological redirection. And there is no anchor in truth with the majority of humanity. There is no objective truth. There is no moral objective standard and the laws of logic, meaning immaterial laws that govern a material existence don't exist. So if I were to respond to the pro-choice person saying, well, because you're not homeless, you don't have the ability to, to speak with any authority regarding a homeless person because you're not homeless. These, the the logical inconsistencies that we're combated with in any conversation means you will never come to a productive place. You're just attacking straw men and distractions. And I wanna say stop and pause because all the words that are coming out of your mouth have no basis in truth. Until you can declare an authority to know something that is true, That is based upon some moral objective standard that adheres to the laws of logic. Now, if you can't anchor anything in a moral objective standard with a truth, a knowable, definable truth that is absolute, and you want to be a moral relativist, I don't have time for that because you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And particularly when you violate the logical laws of reasoning, I can't reason with you because it's not logical. Now that sounds very much Star Trek Spock kind of black and white ones and zeros on and off kind of switch. But we either agree that we're going to reason soundly or understand we're not going to have a reasonable conversation. So all of the emotion that's tied to what's happening with our elected officials and our political system and 40 billion dollars going to Ukraine and the list goes on and on and what's happening with our stock market what's happening with the food supply what's happening with um, medical issues related to some infection that came across a percentage of our population and how people refused bodily autonomy and deferred that responsibility to elected officials to, to take some kind of substance and put it into your body these are either logically true or they're logically not true And as more information comes out, I'm hopeful that people will pull off their blinders of obedience and submission to the authority and recognize we have a basis to not trust fellow humans, regardless of their position or stature in our society. I don't care if they have a robe, a lab coat. I don't care because there is no foundational truth. When you strap on your uniform or whatever it is, you are now a slave to the master that has equipped you with that uniform. And you're either going to be obedient to that master, or you're going to be disobedient to that master to the degree in which you can stay employed, or you're going to recognize that I'm a broken, failed, sinful human, and I am justifying and rationalizing what I'm doing in this position without regard to any other fellow human accept it law enforcement is I'm, i'm part of my passion is based upon a right to know law request receipt that i got back and the procedural avoidance of transparency and accountability for the violations that they perpetrated on me is overwhelming this individual that responded is just doing their job they are obfuscating they're avoiding they're false representing They're making incorrect statements in response to my well-documented and articulated submission. And I'm like, yeah, you're just doing your job. You're just protecting your bureaucracy. And as a human, I expect you to do this to be submissive and and compliant to your employer. And lying is not, you, you can lie, you can misrepresent, you can mischaracterize because you're legally protected from anything that you do. So I expect it. Now I have to go through an appeal process and spend the time and energy to provide correction on the record and saying what you're representing is this, is not that, and it's actually this. So they put me through this procedural hurdle to deny me and I have to extend more time, effort, energy, and expense to do this because the person's wicked. Now, in a societal view, this individual responding may in that bell curve of a good person, but she is willing to rebel against that good person of herself to be obedient to her master to protect her fraternity and I won't have justice with that person. I don't desire justice with that person. I desire truth but that's a that's not a common goal. So I will have to go through this effort, the additional efforts in order to get the documents, which again, I don't expect that appeal to be an affirmative response. I think it will be delayed and avoided. And my only remedy is to document and have this evidence. So for when I walk into federal court, I said, listen, I've been a reasonable person. And this person took this opportunity to reframe. Did they do it intentionally? I can't prove intent or motive. I'm just demonstrating what efforts a citizen has to go through into expect attempting to get transparency with their government and how often they can avoid, misdirect, misrepresent, fabricate. Do I expect that to change? No, I have no expectation of that to change because I'm just one person. And I'm so far down this path and anybody has ever been willing to go down on their own. Sure, you can go hire the resources, but nobody's. I'm not going to reach into my retirement account to fund this fight alone. For the benefit of me, I'm going to do whatever I can with my own my own efforts until I need that legal response support individual. So I understand humanity is wicked, as I assign it to myself, and that is very much counter cultural worldview. Now from a divine pastoral biblical s- sense God doesn't make mistakes and God doesn't go whoops God's plan is perfect and I am just an element of his bigger plan <clears throat> and he is using it for his perfect purpose and the, the challenges and trials that my goal is to, to do what I have been tasked to do with the discernment of the Holy Spirit to say, I'm going down the path that God wants me to for his purpose. Until God says, enough, son. You've done everything I've wanted you to do. I'm taking you in a different direction. And I, I rely upon myself, my study, and others to speak into me as to when that road, that journey forks. Because my goal is when I leave this fleshly biological sack of goo carcass that I go to the next plane and I met and greeted that I hear the words well done good and faithful servant open up my book open up the book and I see my name there and I want to have my own perseverance for my own benefit that I can be assured that my name is written in that book. And I want to do that daily. No, I fail daily, but that's my trajectory. That's my magnetic north of my life. And yes, will I, get, will I wander and will I hit an obstacle in my path? Absolutely. But when I encounter that obstacle, I want to figure out over, under, or around that obstacle. And maybe that obstacle is so big that God says, here's your fork. You're going down this path now. So I wanted to provide some additional context why I go with three introductions when I do my podcast, Modern Babylon, Cultural Contrarian. And then under my daughter's direction, she said, Dad, tell them your tell them your name. Tell them your name. There was a reason that I was dealing with anonymity for a while because of some of the things that I were doing. I, I, I wanted a degree of visibility, but I wanted a degree of masking. Well, thank you for law enforcement for unmasking and and doxing me through public servants, good job on you. I expect you to be wretched and wicked and, and try to cause me harm. I get it. That, that is your fraternity. You're not here to protect and serve. You're here to harass and collect. You're part of the system. You're an anomaly if you're going to stop the other harassers and collectors, the road pirates of the world. You're an anomaly. When I put out that request on various social media platforms, can someone identify a law enforcement officer that is willing to stand beside me to defend, to honor their oath and defend and protect the Constitution and my constitutional rights in the presence of another officer attempting to turn that into a criminal activity? They don't exist. I know of one but I would never ask that one to do it because it would affect their relationship within their fraternity, and I would never ask them to do that as a friend. Never ask them to do it because that divides that training and discipline and culture of that fraternity. So when I go out into the general public, I'm not going to find a chief of police that's going to stand and defend and protect my rights against an officer violating my rights. not going to find them. Not going to find a sheriff or a deputy or a constable. They don't exist. And I've said, change my mind. Introduce me to that person who is in law enforcement that will stand beside me and defend and protect my rights as a law abiding citizen, not using profanity, not being inst- instigating or, or inflammatory. I just want to be free from the criminal actions under color of law. From those who represent authority in our society. I get the default position. I understand my default position. Do I respect authority? Absolutely. It's a necessary piece in our society to maintain civil order in our under our social contract. So when people are acting violently and and violating the non-aggression principle and taking something that doesn't belong to them. Freedom being one of those things, taking physical possessions that don't belong to them. That's theft. We need to stop that. We need, we need boundaries and punishments and corrections for those actions. So I respect those people that do that lawfully. My experience has been, those are few and far between particularly when you're a law-abiding citizen. And the contempt for their authority is not something that I am doing. It is a psychological disorder of those within public service that if we don't obey them, we are contempt for their authority. And that contempt is often criminalized under disorderly conduct or obstruction of justice where there's no crime, other than that the enforcers emotions getting out of control and they saying that person was disobedient to my authority. They violate, they didn't obey my commands. My only obligation is to obey a lawful, a lawful command. And the burden is on me to know the law. And yes, I'm a contrarian that I have done time to study, to know what my boundaries are and what my limits are to know the law. And I understand the Supreme court and the culture doesn't obligate obligate our public servants to know the law. We've allowed that. They've got so much latitude for committing crimes, it's crazy. Part of the issue of my passion related to this right-to-know law request is that they are totally burying criminal activity. I expected it, not surprised, but I'm prepared. So I'm hoping this this, uh, provides some additional context into me and why I'm passionate about what I speak. I, I would welcome the opportunity for this broadcast to be shared with some other people because I think my messaging is so limited in reach. I think one of the abilities for my message to get other ears is when I'm able to be interviewed and talk about, and particularly the, qual- the, the issue of qualified immunity and Murdoch v. Pennsylvania and understanding that we have power we're legitimately afraid very valid it's kind of where i post a lot of my comments is that we have a legitimate reason to be afraid but knowledge is the basis to construct a shield to stand courageously in the front of tyranny very good this is a philosophy of ryan And you can put that in your intellectual pipe and depth of understanding of me and smoke it. Have a great day, everybody.